1: Communications Officer Douglas Eiffel. Lieutenant Commander Rene Minkowski. Hera. Captain Isabel Loveless. The second. Dr. Alexander Hilbert. Also known as Dr. Elias Selberg. Also known as Dr. Dimitri Volodin, Also known as god only knows what else special agent daniel boom boom wow jacoby dr alana robotnik was right maxwell colonel warren j dickbag these are the names of the brave men women and ai autopilot programs who crewed the uss Hephaestus station they are the first beings of mostly terrestrial origin to make contact with alien life in over 35 years but even after their fabled contact event how much do they know about this alien life tonight Space Monkey Radio brings you a special report on all things little green men from beyond the stars what do we know how do we know it when will we know that what we're trying to know is something that we can know good evening I'm your host, Professor D.F. Eiffel. Here to help...
0: Hello, hello.
1: ...is our lovely co-host... Um, uh, did you want a fancy title?
0: No, no, just, just here is fine. Right, okay,
1: cool. <clears throat> our lovely co-host, Hera...
0: We'll reach beyond the stars.
1: We'll look deep into what makes us who we are.
0: We'll ask who else might be out there.
1: All of that and more in this...
0: The first ever episode of the Hephaestus Files.
1: nefestus files oh are we not i thought we'd settle on the No, um do you want to
0: go with uf overview don't you
1: uh, yeah i kind of do okay okay
2: great, great.
0: Well, let's do it let's just okay cool thank you yep that's fine
1: <clears throat> all of that and more in this the first
0: ever episode of uf overview <laughs>
1: For our first segment...
2: It's just going
0: to be a moment of your time, Lieutenant.
3: Okay... We're doing this thing. About aliens. You're not going to try to poison yourself again, are you? No, that's not what You're not going to try to poison someone else, are you?
1: No! Listen, we have no idea what we're doing with the aliens, right? Right. So, maybe it would help if we, you know, went over everything that's happened?
0: Maybe in a comprehensive audio record of what we've gone through.
3: And you have cleared this little pet project with the captain. Eiffel, you did ask Captain Lovelace before you started doing this, right?
4: Well, Eiffel. Even for you, this sounds ridiculous. But we could- No. But it might be helpful with the- Oh, I'm sorry. Well, if it could be helpful, just like a few days ago, when you lied to me and poisoned yourself, like how that was helpful. Remember that? Yeah.
1: So is that a- No,
4: Eiffel. Get.
1: Well, we definitely
3: asked. You're very lucky that I have literally nothing else to do right now. Where do you want to start?
1: Awesome. Well, why don't we start at the beginning of this whole mess? When was the first time that you seriously considered the idea that we made? Okay. This is the part that we all know pretty well. So we're going to do a bit of fast-forwarding here.
0: About 450 days into this mission, we begin to intercept radio transmissions containing old recordings of classical music.
1: At first, we think that they're just old transmissions from planet Earth. But then... If you were picking up a transmission from Earth, it would be one from eight years ago this is coming from is a lot than Earth. This transmission isn't echoing lethal. It's making a trip. That's an archive recording of Dr. Alexander Hilbert, recently deceased, courtesy of our old command logs.
0: So we continue getting musical transmissions, now knowing they're not coming from Earth.
1: Soon after that, we get ourselves a new roomie.
4: Hephaestus Station.
1: Captain Isabel Lovelace here. Captain Lovelace, the commanding officer from
5: the first Hephaestus mission. Of course, that wasn't really Captain Lovelace. <laughs> Not the original in any case.
1: That's Colonel Warren Kepler, licensed specialist in being an evil douchebag. We'll be hearing more from him in a bit.
3: Soon after that... Well, 359. The star just... It went from a red dwarf to a blue dwarf. In an instant. Which I know shouldn't be possible, but... It was possible. Awesome.
1: In fact, we almost died crashing into that very possible star. And then... We have no voice of aura,
0: so we're borrowing yours. To communicate.
1: Dear listeners, meet the dear listeners.
0: Miraculously, no one dies from the unprecedented astrological phenomenon. We're able to reposition the station.
1: I go on the world's suckiest pleasure cruise, get to ride back with the terrible trio, cut two a few months later, and we get to. The contact event. The
3: contact event. contact event.
1: It's about the contact event. Yeah, that. But what really did happen at the world famous Hephaestus contact event?
0: Well, for starters...
1: Right, right.
0: And then... Uh...
1: Captain?
3: Your
4: hands are glowing.
1: Oh yeah, that happened. What does it mean to speak to a being who isn't from Earth?
0: Is it even possible for you to understand them?
1: Or for them to really understand you?
5: You're asking the wrong question. What? It's not about understanding. That's different. But communication? Species communicate with each other all the time. That's Colonel Kepler again. So what? Long story short, you
1: got E.T. on speed dial?
5: Think about animals, Eiffel. Which is all any of us are when you get down to it. Some of us have claws, some of us have teeth, some of us have nukes. what we say is always the same. This is mine. Stay away. So
1: that's what this is? A multi-billion dollar operation to say, Hands off,
5: this is mine. To draw a line in the sand. Wouldn't it be easier to just pee on our part of the galaxy? You heard Captain Chang.
0: Whatever happens, they must never make it back to Earth. I repeat, whatever happens, they must never-
5: Let's ignore everything these beings have done so far. Benefit of the doubt, they're not aggressive, just curious. Curious, but chances are, still far more powerful than we are. We are the new kid in the intergalactic schoolyard. And there is a reason why the new kid always gets shoved around. To see where they fit in the power structure. And your in-depth survival strategy is what? To shove first? Someone always has power, Eiffel. Which means that someone else is always getting shafted. First order of business when a new element pops into your comfortable power structure. Reconnaissance. These folks gonna help or hinder? Do they have anything I want? Anything worth taking? Or, have they got a stick big enough that it's worth leaving them alone? All they are trying to do is find the answers to these questions.
1: And let's just be clear. All of this is just speculation on your part, right? Cutter never showed you a secret
5: file on alien intentions. Well, what else could they be doing? What makes you think they care about anything you have to say?
6: Oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe
5: the
1: fact that they're the ones trying to communicate? Yeah, well, communicate can mean anything.
0: This is Daniel Jacoby, professional jerk, and Kepler's former second-in-command.
1: It seems like it means something very specific.
6: And that you're just trying to be difficult. Think about it this way, Eiffel. I walk up to you with a gun, and I point it at your face. Hey! And if I don't say anything, you still probably have an idea of what I'm thinking you'd be pretty sure it was, get your hands in the air, you annoying idiot! And that's because, as humans, we have shared conventions and culture in a fundamental baseline for how we understand our experiences. Sure. But what if, one day, a lion came up to you? But this lion, he can speak perfect English. He walks up to you and he says, Why, hello. That's quite a scent you have there. What does he even mean by that? Does it mean that he wants to eat you? Or that he doesn't want to eat you? Or that he sees you as a threat? Or that he doesn't see you as a threat? Or do lions just compliment each other on their scents? You understand what the lion's saying, but you have no idea what it means. Because the basis on which lions live their lives is radically different from the way that we do. And that's lions! Which, you know... Mammals. Oxygen breathers. Made out of friggin' carbon! Think about these aliens now. We don't know how they're processing any language information. Maybe they can't even understand spoken language until it's translated into something else. Maybe it needs to get put into a nine-dimensional format, five of which our primitive Earth-bound brains can't even begin to comprehend. What's your point? My point is that even if we could speak to them, that's not the same thing as communicating. We are dealing with beings
5: who seem to be more or less above the basic paradigms of human existence. The technological differential alone.
6: We'd be missing out on so much context.
5: You don't get to be where they are without doing things we would consider apocalyptic.
6: Think of everything that defines us as people. We're singular, individuals, we're born. We live, we remember, and we forget, and then we die. What if they don't do any of that? What are we going to talk about? Mm. Uh,
1: Those interviews left us feeling... uneasy. Not exactly encouraging, no. So even if we can get the telegraph wires up and running... We may never understand each other. Which really doesn't bode well for the whole...
4: Get your act together! Finish the process! Quickly! Not really, no.
0: But it sounds like there really isn't anyone that would have a good, good shot, shot talking to you. these
6: beings. <clears throat> I didn't exactly say that. Wait, what? I mean, we definitely don't stand any kind of a chance, but... Why do you think... Maxwell was up here Why do you think she spent all that time on those language logs? Language logs?
1: What language logs?
2: Maxwell the USSFS station. This is language log AR461. Today I want to focus on the problem of algorithmic expression.
1: Uh, so, okay. yeah. Turns out that Dr. Maxwell was thinking about these sorts of problems.
2: Thinking about them... kind of a lot. Going over the notes from Thursday, I'm reconsidering the stochastic model. There might be a better way to handle the higher um, function...
1: Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I listened to about 10 hours of these logs, and, well, most of it, it basically sounds like this.
2: We could use an updated form of linkos to set up a rudimentary algorithmic understanding. After that, it will be hard to develop a binary model, and from there, we're
1: Which, you know, to no sane person can possibly understand, so... I can understand it. You can? Oh, well, please, translate for the rest of us.
0: She's just saying that you can establish a first-order logic pattern. Uh,
1: Hira, uh, go ahead and hit that Google Translate button between genius computer scientist and hapless civilian, like, two or three more times?
0: Basically, mathematics. Even if you're, like, gas-based life forms, one is one, and two is two. Zero is zero. With me?
1: Yeah.
0: If you can express one or two universal mathematical realities, you can work out a system of mathematical expression. And once you have that, you get to binary. And once you have that, you get yes and no.
1: And once you have that, you're in business.
0: A very slow business, but sure. What Maxwell is saying is he just said, some very, very smart ways to speed up I that process. <sighs> she was very smart.
1: Hera, you, you okay?
0: Oh, it's just... Of course this is why she was here. They wanted an expert in no. full communication for when the aliens showed up.
1: Amongst all the geek-speak, I did find an interesting of tape
2: This is Dr. Elena Maxwell, language mapping log TR-579, and whew. Okay, remember you spent 37 hours doing reconstructive surgery yesterday? Um, thought. Not sure if this will be useful, but thought. Shut up. Just shut up and listen. I spent so much time thinking about how we're going to get a message across, and I haven't been thinking at all about reception. But what if the first challenge is figuring out how to listen? How much have we missed already?
1: We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Goddard Futuristics. Have you ever considered a career in being arbitrarily evil? Do you often wish that more of your life could be taken up by needlessly complicated conspiracies? Do you look at happy, functional people and want to do horrible things to them? If so, consider applying for a job at Goddard Futuristics, the only company at the forefront of evil, not just on Earth, but in 32 different star systems. Call and apply for a job today. And we're back. Eiffel? Shira. UF Overview. Since the contact event, there's been one crew member that's been affected more severely than the rest of us. Captain Isabel Loveless. Still the coolest, most badass person this side of the Leo constellation, Captain Loveless has also now undergone experiences no other human has ever gone through. Tonight... On a UF Overview exclusive, we bring you the first ever interview with Captain... Wait, what? Hmm?
0: Captain Loveless hates this idea, remember?
1: I will admit there has been a certain amount of behind-her-backness to this whole... Thing.
0: Eiffel, don't do this.
1: Oh, come on, it'll be fine.
0: How in the name of God?
1: With the intergalactically renowned Doug Eiffel guile and charm, thank you very much, what could possibly go-
0: Okay, everyone. here are from the future here. You'll be shocked to learn that speaking to Captain Loveless was a terrible idea. But, since we're talking about communication today, some important things were said in that conversation. So, I'm just gonna play the tape.
1: Why hello there, Captain Loveless. Hey, Fancy Eiffel. meeting you here in the bridge of our space station, the USS Hephaestus.
4: Hello, Eiffel.
1: And how are you doing on this fine, fine stellar rotation? Fine star sure looks very blue today, doesn't
2: it?
4: Yeah. Sure. Is there anything I can help you with, Eiffel? Hmm? Oh, no,
1: no, 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 no. I'm just, uh...
4: Staring at me?
1: On one of my many spontaneous trips up to the bridge. Isn't that right? Here,
0: no,
1: no, 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 don't bring me into this. Anyway, what about you? What are you up to? What are you doing?
4: Well, I'm recalibrating the navigation equipment to make sure that if there's another flare, we would Um, Eiffel? Mm-hmm. Are you... Sure everything's okay?
1: Yeah, totally everything's totally
4: clutch. Uh Uh-huh, because you're kind of sticking your chest in my face. What? No, I'm, this is
1: how I always stand.
4: No, it isn't.
1: Well, it's my casual stance. I guess you just haven't seen my casual stance because we've always been so...
4: Formal?
1: Non-casual. Any chance you could speak up?
4: Okay, what the hell is going on? Nothing, just some casual
1: unpremeditated... Stop
4: it. What are you doing?
1: What, what What? could I possibly be doing?
4: I'm not sure, but right now the leading contenders are staging an episode of punk or a whole bunch of drugs, neither of which would make me happy. So, for the last time, what is going on?
1: Nothing. There's absolutely nothing going on here. I'm definitely not recording you with a secret microphone hidden in my shirt, and I would never record you without your permission, and I haven't spent any time making a radio show. <gasps> Please, don't ask me any more questions.
4: Okay... All right, so let's recap. You come to me in my capacity as your commanding officer and ask me if you can spend time and resources on an NPR show about everything we know about the alien presence. Because if I remember the original pitch correctly, it would be like super rad. And I said other things,
1: it might also help us figure
4: out what they want- You are going to stop explaining and listen to me for once in your life, understood?
1: Yes, sir.
4: Then, Act the Second, in which you sneak around behind my back. You take up Minkowski's time. You take up Hera's processing power. You give yourself unsanctioned access to our prisoners. Permission to speak. Denied. <sighs> then comes my personal favorite the whole recording me without my permission business. Do you see why some of these actions strike me as concerning, Officer Eiffel? Yes, sir. Especially when three weeks ago we had your whole lying, poison, near-death possession adventure also against my wishes?
1: Yes, sir.
4: (sighs) Honestly. How Mankowski got through 600 days of this without killing you is beyond, do he? Hey, Hira also helped No, nope. to- don't. She's going to get her own talking, to. Which, by the way, get ready for that, Hira. But this was your idea. Don't try to make it better by pulling others into your sinking boat. If you have any sort of an explanation, now is the time. Look,
1: I don't know if you've noticed, but we kind of don't have a plan. I don't think we even have an inkling- We're not going anywhere until we figure out what Mork, Marvin, and Uncle Martin want from us. And we're not there. We need a new angle. And I know you don't want to, but we need to talk about it.
4: We need to talk about what?
1: You know. We will now speak to you. Take us to your leader. All of that stuff.
0: Think this is. No,
4: Hira. Let him dig his own way out of this. Alright. You want to talk about all of that stuff. What do you want to know?
1: You know, just... how is it? Do you feel any different?
4: Do I feel... different? Yeah. Eiffel, I feel like me.
1: Well, yeah, but you're not just you. Like, especially when you hulk out, you're really not. What's that like?
4: Eiffel, I'm not me. I, well, I died I got into a shuttle and it was consumed by a gigantic ball of burning gas and my body just went away but I'm also here do you know what that's like because because I don't I have no freaking clue how to deal with any of that so do you know what I do every morning I get up and I take a deep breath and I ask myself, what would Isabel Lovelace do? How would Isabel Lovelace live that day? And then I do that, because I figure, well, if I look like her, and I sound like her, and I have her memories, and I act like her, at some point, maybe I'll just be her for a little while. If I practice and practice, then maybe for 10 minutes a day, I'll get to feel like myself again. that doesn't work. Now why? No? Take a guess. Take a wild stab in the dark.
1: I... I don't...
4: Because of you, Eiffel.
1: Because of me?
4: Yes. You. You. Mr. Sometimes I'm afraid of you. Mr. I'm freaked out, okay? What do I do? What don't you do? You lie. You keep secrets. You do what you want whenever you want because well you had an idea and when you have an idea it's just too damn brilliant to not immediately give it a shot you don't think before you leap and when I'm the one telling you that you n- I'm just trying to help are you are you really or are you just trying not to be bored for half a second To distract yourself from how much you can't stand yourself. Whoa, this is getting real personal, real- This is personal, you insensitive ass. We're all dealing with the many different ways we're messed up, and it's hard enough without you making it worse. Oh,
1: come on. Priorities. We have evil incarnate incorporated breathing down our necks, and
4: I'm the thing that's ruining your day? Fine. Second opinion, here. Am I going crazy here?
1: Oh, come on! Mm-hmm. Hira, I've always been on your side. Yeah,
0: how are you? Yes! Think
1: about that for a moment.
0: Really think back.
1: I am. Hell, back when Hilbert ripped up the circuits in no, your.
0: I mean, before that. Way before, before that. Remember when you first got here? were afraid of me? How you asked Hilbert if there was a way to turn me off?
1: But I never really did anything. What wrong.
0: about all the jokes? Remember Wind-Up Girl?
1: That happened once.
0: Uh, once a day, maybe. What about the Halloween thousand impressions? The design the inventions? The They're th- just
4: jokes. They don't really mean anything. And that's the thing right there. See, Eiffel, you get to have that. They can be just jokes for you because you're, well, you. But we don't get that. And when you say these things, yes, we understand that you're not trying to hurt anyone, but the message is still loud and clear. Even one of our friends, even one of the good guys, sees us as a little bit different.
0: And when you hear that, you kind of think to yourself,
4: people are always going to be afraid of me aren't they
1: well there's not much i can do about that is there
4: Ah. yes there is you can do better you can think before you speak you can actually listen to us because getting hit with this stuff It's a sucky-ass feeling, and your friends, comrades, and commanding officers don't need it. Understood?
1: Yes, sir. Good. Dismissed. I'm guessing you heard.
3: Heard about what?
1: Yeah, I heard. Can you believe those guys? I mean, I've done some stupid-ass things in my life. But compared to what we're dealing with, compared to Cutter and those two we've got down in the cells, it's ridiculous.
3: know what a Polish accent sounds like, Eiffel? Do I... what? Polish accent. Ever heard it? It is a lower tone than regular English. Hard R's and thick voiced endings. Spoken through the front of the mouth. I was born in Warsaw, you know. Polish is my first language. That's the way that English wants to sound when I speak it.
1: So, why... doesn't it?
3: Because, Eiffel, I moved to the United States when I was 11, and I didn't speak a word of English. And when you're in 5th grade in a stupid little town in Northern California, and you sound like that, you're like a wounded gazelle. You say one syllable, and every other kid just knows that you're... something. Something weird something alien, and they don't let you forget. So you got rid of it? (laughs) When you put it like that. You ever try to change the way you speak? Do you know how hard it is to change everything about how you sound, how you breathe, so that maybe, maybe, one day people's impressions of you will be based on who you are, not what you are? never changed my name. I'm Minkowski. That's also part of who I am.
1: Why are you telling me all this? Because
3: of the- imagine how it would feel if after all of that, after years of service, when you got your own command, when you finally think you got the respect you deserve, there's someone there who always says it, Lieutenant Commander Renee Minkowski. Kowski. I mean Minkowski. Don't you think that that would make it all come rushing back? Every time? Why didn't you... You never said... Yes, I did. You don't remember, but I did. I've started having this conversation with you five times. Hell, even now you're barely in a place where you're listening to me.
1: I, I thought... You didn't care.
3: Well, you pick your battles, Eiffel. When you're in a place like this, you really ask yourself which fights are worth having. And sometimes even things that really hurt aren't enough.
1: Why tell me now, after all this time?
3: Well, you got a scare today. Usually when that happens, people stop what they're doing and pay attention. Something might sink in.
1: I tried, you know. When we first met, I, I knew I was saying it wrong. I was so nervous around you and I kept making the same stupid mistake. And I really, really tried to cut it out, but then we started fighting and yeah. Just kind of stuck.
2: Well,
3: that's the thing about you, Eiffel. You try. You really, really try. And then you stop trying. Don't stop.
1: This has been Wolf 359 by Kinda Evil Genius Productions. Tonight's episode was written and directed by Gabrielle Urbina. The roles of Eiffel and Hilbert were played by Zach Valenti. The role of Minkowski was played by Emma Sherjarko. The role of Hero was played by Michaela Swee. The role of Loveless was played by Cecilia Lynn Jacobs. The role of Kepler was played by Zach Labresco. The role of Jacoby was played by Noah Mazer. The role of Maxwell was played by Michelle Agresti. And the role of Zhang was played by Julia Morizawa. Original music by Alan Rohde. An audio recording by Jared Paul. Want to help us fund more special reports by Space Monkey Radio? Do so by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wolf359radio. Thank you to Rena Saramay, the Gravo Situation, and all our patrons for your support and for helping us clear this little pet project with the captain. Check out wolf359.fm for new episodes and extras. And follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at wolf359radio for news and more.
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
6: Hello, hello. I'm Malik. I'm Jamie. And this is World Gone Wrong, where we discuss the unprecedented times we're living through.
0: Can your manager still schedule you for night shifts After that, werewolf bit you.
6: My ex-boyfriend was replaced by an alien body snatcher, but I think I like him better now. Who is this dude showing up in everyone's old pictures? My friend says the sewer alligators are reading maps now.
4: When did the kudzu start making that humming sound?
6: We are just your normal millennial roommates processing our feelings about a chaotic world in front of some microphones. World Gone Wrong, a new fiction podcast from audacious machine creative, creators of Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery. Learn more at audaciousmachinecreative.com.
0: Find World Gone Wrong in all the regular places you find podcasts.
6: I love you so much. I mean, you could like up the energy a little bit. You could up the energy. I actually don't take notes.
2: Ah! (laughs) (laughs) That was good. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You sounded great. (laughs) So did you. (laughs)